Hello, welcome to Cherry Beckert's GovCom podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. My name is Eric Poppy. I'm a senior manager with Cherry Beckert's Government Contract Services Group, and with me today is Susan Moser, the leader of Cherry Beckert's Government Contracting uh, Government Contract Services Group. Susan, thanks for joining me today. Thanks. Happy to be here. Always uh, enjoy talking about the 8A program. Uh, so, quick. Uh, background on me. So I uh, started this firm's practice 20 plus years ago after having been a client of the firm as a controller and then a CFO for two different 8A companies. So um, I've I've basically spent most of my career working with 8A companies. So um, as I think we've said in some of our other podcast series, we're very bullish on the 8A program and uh, we're excited to, to help companies learn more about how to be successful in it. Yeah, and you know, this is our fourth podcast in this series on the 8A program overall. And we get a lot of, you know, and today we wanted to talk a little bit more on the contractual process and, you know, sole source awards. Uh, we get a lot of questions that relate to, hey, I've just got into the 8A program. I'm, I'm a new company and um, I'm really excited to get my first 8A award and especially sole source. Um, but, you know, what are things I need to be worried about or potential pitfalls or what's involved with that process? Do you mind just to start us off, just giving a little bit of overview of the 8A contract pro- contracting process and sole source awards? Sure, happy to do that. So, uh, so just a little background. So, Section 8A, so the term 8A contractors comes from Section 8A of the Small Business Act, which is what established the program that authorized the SBA to enter into all types of contracts with other agencies um, really on behalf of small businesses. So the SBA is actually contracting with agencies for small business contracts. So the 8A uh, program is really the 8A business development program, commonly called the 8A program. And um, a small business is accepted into the program and then they're called a participant. And so um, they're actually considered subcontractors of the of the SBA. And so um, the 8A program, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, it is a nine-year program and it does give companies the opportunity to compete with limited competition. So 8A contractors can be awarded um, contracts on a sole source basis or on a competitive basis. Um, So the SBA is actually certifying to those agencies that the SBA is competent and responsible to perform those contracts. And then they are actually subcontracting. So a long time ago, they used to have a, what they called a tripart uh, agreement where both the agency, the SBA and the contractor had to sign off on a contract. For the most part, most agencies have entered into memorandums of understanding, and so it's a little more seamless. But basically, um, a the SBA can award, there's competitive contracts. So a competitive contract is awarded if there is a reasonable expectation that there's at least two qualified 8A small businesses that can submit offers. If the resulting contract can be awarded at a fair market price, Um, If the government estimates that the value will exceed seven and a half million for manufacturing or four and a half million for all other requirements, i.e. services, um, and if it hasn't already been accepted as a sole source um, 
award on behalf of a tribal owned or uh, American Alaska Native corporation, then those would be 8A competitive. So if it's more than seven and a half million for manufacturing, four and a half million for services, it would be competitive. Um, but it can be awarded as a sole source 8A if um, they can determine that there's a qualified small business that's responsible. Um, the government feels like the contract can be awarded at a fair market price and that the again the the government estimate doesn't exceed that seven and a half million for manufacturing or four and a half million for all other requirements and um, there are situations where sole source contracts can be awarded for more than those dollar thresholds um, uh, Alaska native tribally owned eight days they actually are eligible for higher dollar value sole source awards um, agencies actually can award sole source, 8A sole source contracts um, up to 22 million, uh, but they have to use sole source justification. Um, last year, actually, the DOD introduced uh, an opportunity for 8A sole source awards up to 100 million, uh, but sole source justification is um, is required. So, um, you know, for for a lot of commercial companies. I mean, the opportunity to receive a sole source award, say if it's services for four and a half a million, um, where you're not competing um, against other companies is, is pretty remarkable. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, because I know a lot of, um, we get a lot of questions about, well, how many sole source contracts can you get? Um, so there are limitations. Um, in general, 8A firms can, um, can't receive additional 8A sole source awards once they have a combined total, both competitive and sole source awards in excess of a million of $100 million. So once you get to $100 million in contract awards, kind of makes sense that they would limit your yeah. ability to have um, sole source awards. Um, there are some other for, for uh, companies that are based on their sizes, based on numbers of employees, there's uh, different mechanics. But um, in addition, during companies, so I mentioned earlier that the 8A program is a nine-year program. So when companies are in the transitional stage or really the last five years of participation, there are targets in terms of the number of non-8A awards uh, that you have to meet before the SBA would accept um, sole source contracts on your on your behalf. And, and so those are different for each year. But basically, you know, the whole program, the per point of the program is to make you a viable competitive business once you get out of the program. And so what they don't want to do is let you get too reliant on sole source awards. So they do limit um, your ability to get sole source awards as you progress throughout the program. Well, and, you know, to take a little bit of a step back, you know, you mentioned earlier that it can be competitive awarded or sole source and the agencies have to, you know, pretty much if notify SBA or almost apply to say, hey, we have this uh, acquisition program that we want to award as an 8A sole source. And don't they have to give like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, estimated period of performance, the NAICS codes, a description of the work, contract type considerations and history, uh, like special, or if there's like special 
restrictions of some sort? Yep. So so basically, once a contract gets into the 8A program, it's, it's honestly, it's hard to get out of the 8A program. Um, but there's really a couple of different ways that acquisitions are really selected for the 8A program. Um, the SBA can advise an agency of an 8A participant's capabilities through a search letter. Either, you know, the SBA can send it or the contracting activity can request you know, potential participants um, to identify acquisitions to support, you know, specific 8A companies. Um, the SBA can also um, require um, uh, 8A participants um, send letters to or contact each agency t generally has an office of small disadvantaged business utilization. They call them SADBOOs. Um, DOD, they're called the Office of Small Business Programs. Um, the SBA can request contracting officers ac uh, offer acquisitions to the 8A program. So um, that those small business utilization offices, those are really they, they're meant to be advocates for small business. Um, if there's a particular agency that somebody's interested, you should definitely get to know the the SADBU office for those agencies and contact them. Make sure make them aware of your capabilities. Um, they do, you know, again get requests through SBA, but a lot of it is also marketing. Um, the third way, which is probably the most common, is um, agencies can review their proposed acquisitions for the purposes of identifying requirements that can be offered to the SBA um, for those programs. Um, those agencies can either, you know, self-market to 8A participants to identify, you know, qualified companies, or they can reach out to, again, the Small Business Utilization Offices or, or the SBA. So, you know, most agencies are pretty good about um, wanting uh, and advocating for 8A. It is, a, it is an easy way for them to contract. And so um, you, you don't usually have to educate many agencies on the use of sole source contract vehicles. I just, you know, that's such a great name, Sad Boo. Uh, I, every time I hear it, it makes me chuckle. So it's interesting how, uh, you know, companies, if you're an 8A and you get a sole service award, it, it it brings another hurdle, though, that I think that people or companies forget about a lot, and that's the pricing aspect and the costing piece that goes into the price. And so how SBA, if they are awarding a sole source, it really needs to be contracted under subpart 15 of the FAR. And, you know, that brings on cost and pricing data and, you know, needing to be able to put together a, a fair and reasonable price and show that support. Which yep. I feel like that's like the, the, the hidden piece that a lot of companies don't really realize. It, it is. So, you know, one of the things, so if you think about, if you have the opportunity, so the government, you know, has an overall objective to, to pay fair and reasonable prices and to ensure competition. And so typically in an 8A competitive, you know, they're evaluating your price and, and your, uh, your um, uh, proposal against other companies. So in a sole source, you're obviously not competing with anyone, but the government still has a requirement to make sure that they are, that's one of the requirements. They need to make sure that they're getting a reasonable price. And so, um, so the only way that the government can do that is they have a number they have to go through cost and price analysis. And so oftentimes they can do some price analysis, but if you're not competing and sometimes it may be a requirement that's a unique requirement. And so 
the government is going to ask you to put together a proposal and to to show even if it's fixed price a lot of people like to think fixed price i don't have to show all how i came up with my costs but in a limited competition sole source the government actually does have a right to ask for that information and so i always tell people i mean a, a, a sole source award i mean that's your best opportunity to to maximize and to get a, a, a good price but you have to really be able to demonstrate um, how you came up with those costs and they're and they're justified and so i think eric you you all the time help companies with um with with proposals typically in a in a competitive situation but maybe just talk a little bit about you know what are those things that you have to put you know what do you need to put together if you are or if you are submitting a sole source award, you know, for your price. Yeah, happy to. When you're putting together, it all comes down to the basis of estimates and having a, a having the document documentation to support that proposed cost. And um, it can't just be, you know, historical reference and past performance as a component of that. But it can't just be, hey, this is what uh, you know the market will take. Or it can't just be. You know, I know the customer, and this is what the customer is going to want to see. Uh, there needs to be uh, you, you need to be able to justify and show the reasonableness of how you came up with the proposed cost and the components that make up the cost. So, for example, if it's direct labor, um, you need to be able to show what the salary, the, the basis for the salary information, and also the basis for the hours too. Uh, and you know, if for salary, for example. It could be could be historical current employees and what you know their actuals are, but it also might be market research and escalation for out years and labor indices. Um, for hours, it might be you know you historical for past performance, but also maybe if there's learning curves or things like that that you need to consider. Um, material, it's you know again you could always go back to the historical, but. Um, quotes and getting actual estimates from suppliers potentially and getting multiple to show, hey, we aren't just saying that this is the market price and also, uh, again, escalation. Um, same with indirects and, you know, how do you handle single year, multi year indirect rates, um, profit, you even need to show your reasonableness for profit too. So all, yeah, the, absolutely. all the different components that make up your uh, your proposal, you have to be able to take back to uh, the detail and to the source information to be able to justify it. So it's and, just, oh, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is even if so, um, so often with sole source um, contracts, the, the contracting officer will use the standard form 26 as the contract form, and they will typically ask you to prepare a proposal. But a lot of times that, that when they ask you to put together a proposal, it's it's not like a competitive where it's a very standardized or asking for you know your your technical approach you typically don't have to write a voluminous technical um uh, volume um sometimes you do but um but they may not initially ask for a lot of detail on price um and a lot of times this is a mistake companies make is they may know that the budget for this contract or they know that this you know if it's a services contract it can't be awarded for more than four and a half million dollars and so they think that's the budget and so they you know want to come up with a price that's you know 4.4 million um and you know nor sometimes in the original request from the government it may not it may ask for your price but it may not ask for all that detail that you were just talking about um but 
but then but you need to be prepared to um, to provide that when asked and that it makes sense and that it's reasonable. And, and so for companies that are not familiar and haven't done that before, um, you know, it, it is your best shot, but it's also an easy way for companies to make, um, you know, I'll, I'll call them rookie mistakes. And I'll kind of put that in, in quotes, um, you know, understandably, maybe your first contract um, or your first significant government contract. And so um, you want to make sure that you that you do have a good basis for, for how you came up with that. Yeah, and then you're not scrambling trying to find the documentation after the fact, after they do request to have a cost proposal audit of some sort. Um, I think one of the, some of the best practices is, is, is while you're going through the, uh, creating that, that price and going through the cost, uh, the cost estimating process is putting together the files for each cost element as you do the buildup and to have the the source documentation there readily available and then you could you start to use that as a repository for future proposals too as you continue to grow and hopefully you know you mentioned the nine-year runway you start to grow and you have um you have more justification that you can use for cost proposals and you start to win more competitive work and you hopefully evolve out of the out of the program eventually yeah you know, a couple other things uh, for, for companies to, to be aware of, especially on your first sole source. So um, sometimes a contracting officer can request a pre-award survey of the 8A company. Um, certainly depends on the type of contract. Um, even if it's a fixed price contract, you typically, when we think of pre-award surveys, a lot of times we think of those as accounting system surveys. Um, so sometimes they will ask for those, but they can also ask for a, um, you know, financial capability assessment or a certificate from the SBA of competency. So they want to make sure, again, the, the ultimately they're, con they're they're really contracting with the SBA, and the SBA is is there to support the contractor. Um, but you know, sometimes they do ask for additional information to again give them you know confidence that they'll um, be able to to perform. Um, one thing I, I just would, a couple things just to also sort of caution companies. So a couple things the government can't do, and, and it doesn't mean that I haven't seen it them try in the past, especially when you, you know, we're, we're getting to the very end of the government's year end. And um, so when, you know, lots of contract dollars are awarded uh, in the month of September and, uh, and a lot of 8A companies, a lot of 8A country contracts and a lot of sole source contracts. And, uh, you know, contracting officers cannot break up different, you know, sort of requirements into pieces um, in order to, you know, award multiple uh, sole source contracts to uh, one company that are more than than the uh, than the threshold. And so um, there's a lot of things. Once a contract is in the 8A program, it typically stays in the in the mm -hmm. program. Um, the follow-on requirements. So typically, if they issue one, um, there is a you know there is a requirement, and and so just because you had one sole source contract doesn't automatically mean that you're going to be the recipient the next year. Again, depends on you know how many other contracts you've been awarded um, and that type of thing. But once they're in the program, generally um, they stay, um, and and it's hard to get them out. And again, with I think good reason. Um, until you get close to graduation, and then you're looking for ways to <laughs> for them to 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 not be in the 8A program. 
So, you know, we, we're coming up on the end of, of this um, this episode on Sole Source Awards and the 8A program, within the 8A program. Do you have any closing thoughts for a, you know, a new 8A that's trying to win its first sole source and just, you know, from a documentation standpoint or a process standpoint, any just tips or tricks that you could provide? Yep. So again, I think, you know, the first is really identifying those agencies that you either are already doing business with that you want to do business. Um, you know, some agencies are more uh, prone and adept at 8A um, contract awards. So I think, um, you know, do take advantage of those um, SADBU offices and of the SBA to, to help you with, um, you know, identifying opportunities for sole source awards. Um, I would say don't get too reliant on them. I mean, we have had situations where companies, you know, they've done a good job of getting sole source contracts, but they've really not, it, it, a sole source contract is really a stepping stone. I mean, it's a great opportunity. Um, you should go into it with your eyes wide open you should make sure, um, you know, get the help you need to make sure that you do price it one to to make money if it's going to be a fixed price, um, but uh, but also that you can demonstrate and validate that you are providing um, a basis for estimate that it's fair and reasonable and that you can perform um, and then, you know, take advantage of it. So again, uh, it's a great stepping stone um, to prepare you to um, to 8A competitive contracts, which I think is going to be our topic of our next podcast. It is, and um, you know, just one other, you know, it's a, a great way to get relationships with those agencies that a company might want to is, you know, attending their industry days. And I know there are multiple associations out there that offer matchmaking with industry with agencies um, to potentially find those awards. Um, so anyways, Susan, you know, thank you very much for talking with me today about Soul Source in the 8A program. And um, everyone, please tune in next time in the podcast series on, uh, on 8As. Thanks, thank everybody. You.